Welcome to Keep Talking Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Tummelson, and in this podcast, we talk about all things that I am an expert in or have an interest in, such as language learning, health and fitness, global and societal issues, or whatever I feel like talking about on that particular day. All right, enjoy. Medical disclaimer, I'm not a doctor. End of medical disclaimer. Let's talk about three fitness trends that I've changed my mind on over the years. You know, now I'm 34 and I kind of went through a lot of phases in like my, my 20s, you know, and now early 30s and finally figured some stuff out for how to, you know, build more muscle, have a good physique, and also even more importantly, avoid a lot of the gastrointestinal digestive issues that I used to have. And interestingly enough, you know, I call these fitness trends. These are these are all related to diet. These three that I'm going to talk about in this episode. Um, but you know, obviously, diet is oftentimes more important than exercise in getting the physique that we want. So, um, okay, the first big trend that I changed my mind on is intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting, a lot of you have probably heard about it. It's typically each day you have a certain window in which you, you allow yourself to eat. You know, you might eat from, let's say, for example, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. Maybe you just kind of skip breakfast and then you fast for 16 hours where you only will have water and then maybe coffee or tea, but no calories, no food or drink that contain calories within that window. And you can do it for different periods of time, but the traditional ways to do it would be like 16 hours of fasting and an eight hour eating window or like 18 hours of fasting and a six hour eating window, stuff like that, right? Now, this became very popular 10 or 15 years ago, still is used by a lot of people, still has some value. I used it almost every day for maybe two or three years where I would mainly just skip breakfast and then kind of eat in that like 11 to 7 or, you know, 12 to 8-ish window. I stopped doing it now and I also don't think that it's really that good of an idea for most people. Um, the, The main reason why is, well, okay, a couple different things. A lot of people recommend it for fat loss. I really don't know if it's that good of an idea for fat loss. Um, I think it depends greatly on your schedule, what works for you, you know, how your digestive system works. If you try to do just two big meals per day as opposed to three or four somewhat smaller meals. Um, as a fat loss strategy, I wouldn't really necessarily recommend it. I think it can lead to binge eating. Um, it's also hard to get enough protein during just six to eight hours for a lot of people, which, you know, getting enough protein, as contrary as this might seem, um, is actually one of the biggest tools for having a good physique and, and more easily burning fat over time. Um, I also think that the you know one of the main reasons intermittent fasting was touted to so many people like me who really bought into it is for long-term health and longevity reasons. They were saying that you know intermittent fasting induces a state of autophagy, which is when you're recycling out old you know old damaged cells, and essentially new cells are being generated, and it's kind of like a way to prevent help prevent cancer, right? Is get into these states of autophagy where these damaged cells are being recycled out. You can look into the science and it is real, but I also think it's a lot more nuanced than that. I, you know, I don't think it's as simple as just, oh, 16 hours with no calories, now you're in autophagy. Now you're avoiding cancer, right? There are, autophagy, I think, is a very complicated process. There are a lot of things that we do that help induce it. Um, and in terms of like fighting off cancer and other long-term, you know, like diseases, 
I think that there are many different things, not just, you know, intermittent fasting, for example, that are a, a part of preventing that. And I don't really, I don't really know, you know, they have evidence. It's one of those things they have like evidence in, in labs with all these like lab rats that these biohacker scientists will do and say, you know, oh, well, studies show that more autophagy is produced and therefore, you know, certain types of cancers are less likely. But I don't know how much that really applies to actual human life and human beings. Anyway, so I think what happened with the intermittent fasting trend, like a lot of trends in health and fitness, is it was oversold to people like myself at the time, who I believe were looking at it from too much of like a scientific perspective, rather than saying, okay, what's the reality on the ground here? Okay, so all that to say, I just in general don't really recommend intermittent fasting that much to that many people. If it works for you, if your body feels good, if it works for your lifestyle, that's fine, great, go for it. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but I think it was over-advertised. Okay, the next thing that I've changed my tune on is somewhat related, and that was the idea that you have to be careful with having too much protein in your diet. This is also kind of related to the same stuff. A lot of these, you know, longevity experts for a while were saying, um, you know, you don't want to overdo it on protein because that can, well, you know, this, this is really getting deep into the weeds here scientifically, but, um, you know, they would say that too much protein, number one, could do harm to your kidneys. Number two, it can, okay, I'm really getting nerdy scientific with this, but um, mTOR, what mTOR is, you know, well, either mammalian target of rapamycin or what's the other way that they say it. mTOR is essentially a muscle building um, signaling pathway that is great. We want it as a way to build muscle. I might be butchering the science on this, but in a cancerous environment, okay, it can lead to more faster growth of the cancer. mTOR, IGF-1, which is, which is insulin-like growth factor 1, these are things that are like anabolic basically think of think of them that way they they help us build tissue in the body and grow okay and so in a muscle building environment we we want to activate these things yet in a cancerous environment a bad environment they would also stimulate growth okay now i know i probably just confused the crap out of you but essentially the idea is if we eat too much protein we can stimulate the growth of those too much and increase the risk for cancer now, the way I understand it nowadays, though, is that that's actually only the case, like possibly if someone already has cancer, and it's a bit more complicated than that. Like I think it was totally overblown. Like the risk of eating too much protein and increasing your risk of cancer, I think is um, a very, very, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just wouldn't worry about it that much, especially because you can argue that eating a higher protein diet is going to keep you healthy in so many ways and prevent so many illnesses more naturally because you're going to have a better physique, better body composition, likely lower obesity rates, um, you know, probably better regulated blood sugar. Like to make a long story short, a higher protein diet is probably going to be more beneficial than a low protein diet in almost every way for all of us, especially since we live in a society where it's actually very hard to eat a high protein diet oftentimes, but it's very easy to eat a high carbohydrate and high junk food, high processed food, high, you know, and kind of a high fat diet too, but it's hard to eat a high protein diet. 
So the advice that they're telling people for longevity to eat a lower protein diet and, and avoid too much protein, I think is bad advice. And really, my one of my biggest keys now, regardless of what I eat, what I'm doing, where I am, is just get enough protein every day. Okay. And what is enough protein every day? Well, I like to shoot for one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Now, if you're a person who weighs 150 pounds, try to get up to 150 grams of protein every day. You'll probably fail. But as long as you're getting like over 100, you're doing pretty good and probably on a pretty good path. All right. Now, the third thing that I've changed my tune on um, over the last few years is, um, well, the last six or seven years is how much meat we should include in our diet, how much, how carnivory should we be, okay? I uh, did an experiment where I was a vegetarian for six months in about 2017, um, just because I was really buying into the idea that not only are meats, you know, red meat especially, bad for the environment, they're bad for us, blah, 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 and everything, um, you know, they're going to give me colon cancer, and they're going to give me heart attacks, and atherosclerosis, and God knows what, and... Um, we can. I'll debate the environment one another day. The environment thing is just a massive debate on how bad truly, you know, meat is for the environment. Um, we'll debate that, and we'll debate animal cruelty and all that stuff another day. That's another twelve-hour podcast episode with somebody else, hopefully, um, somebody that I could debate with, and we could calmly sit there and go through the points. But in terms of health, I am um, a big believer now that most of us should probably eat more meat on average to be healthier. But but when I say more meat, I mean minimally processed meat. There's a big difference here. I'm not talking about you know hot dogs and, and summer sausage and charcuterie boards. Okay, I'm talking about you know essentially meat that is one ingredient. Like if you go to a store and you get ground beef or you know chicken breast maybe chicken thighs chicken breast kind of suck let's be real but um you know it's meat with just one ingredient where the ingredient is the meat itself um, not to say that i don't every now and then have meats that are already spiced up with some other stuff or whatever but i'm talking about minimally processed meats now we could get into the whole grass-fed organic blah 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 whatever thing um, it's probably better to have grass-fed than grain-fed meats, but that's also tricky because there's a lot of loopholes in what is considered grass-fed in the U.S. But my point here is that I think most of us, I definitely know for myself that my body feels better and operates better when I'm including a lot of meat, meat and eggs in it. Um, and I've gone back and forth with eggs. Um, as well. Um, but I tend to digest. Those are the easiest digesting sources of protein for me, actually, are meat and eggs. Um, and, you know, dairy I kind of go back and forth with for myself. Uh, whey protein, I'll have it sometimes, but I, it's not the greatest. Um, meat and eggs are the protein sources, and chicken as well. Uh, red meat, chicken, eggs, fish is pretty good as well. Those are the sources of protein that seem to be the most easily digestible. And because protein is so important for us, uh, you know, both to have a strong physique and just be in good health overall, we want to find sources of protein that are easy to digest. Um, and I can also make the arguments that eggs, um, you know, beef and chicken, all types of meats, if they're unprocessed from a good source, they're among the healthiest, most, most nutritious foods that exist. And I would also argue, I would, I would strongly debate people who say that you should be really worried about getting, you know, too much cholesterol, um, you know, too much saturated fat, um, you know, and then also things worry about colon cancer from the meat. There are a lot of studies out there. Um, to make a long story short, in my opinion, 
what they've done with these studies is they've made it, they've lumped all meats together with processed meat. Like, they, like they're doing the studies on the processed meat. From what I've seen, it's a bit manipulated. Like they do these studies on the processed meat, like the stuff you might find like on a charcuterie board, like a bunch of, you know, salami in a package or whatever, which is probably definitely bad for us. And they say, okay, well, eating more of that makes it more likely to cause cancer, things like that, or even heart issues, whatever. Um, but I see very little evidence when I've studied the topic that unprocessed meat from a good source increases our risk for heart disease, cancer, things like that. And I can even once again argue that it probably might lower it as a byproduct of the fact that it increases the amount of protein, healthy protein we have in our diet, which then is going to keep us more muscular, probably a lower overall body fat percentage, and then it's just going to help our health more in a lot of areas. So that was about 12 minutes of me talking. Um, there's a lot of nuance in there, and a lot of that's up for debate, uh, but that's kind of what I believe at this point. That's what's working for me. And once again, nutrition is a very complex thing, but I think if you follow those three guidelines, if you say, okay, I'm going to try to, well, don't worry about intermittent fasting. Eat at times that your body tells you it needs to eat and at times that works for your schedule. Eat a high-protein diet and include you know, meat and eggs from, from good natural sources, unprocessed, you will probably be pretty healthy and fit. That's my opinion. All right. Talk again soon. Love y'all. Peace.